0: Hi, and welcome to Preserving Palestine by Grati Middle East. My name is Lina Sadi, and on this episode, I've invited a talented fashion designer who has become known for celebrating Palestinian and Arab culture in his designs. Please welcome Zaid Farooqi. Hi, Zaid. Hi. How are you?
1: Thank you for having me today. Thank you
0: for being here. Thank you for uh, agreeing to do this with me. Of course. Now I want to know more about you, Your brand, what you do, how you started, tell me everything.
1: All right. So, actually, my parents being Arab and actually children of Palestinian refugees, I think there was no option other than being a doctor, (laughs) studying business, (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs)
0: and a lawyer.
1: (laughs) Other than that, those are not something to um, follow. Uh, i actually have a business degree if <laughs> i find it so <laughs> funny but uh, i actually have a business degree and a minor in fine arts okay, which was that's I, amazing yes which is something that i kind of went against their will and did a minor in fine arts we
0: both kind of have like the same background you know arabs that studied things that you wouldn't expect an Arab to study. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then I actually went and got a second degree in fashion design afterwards following it because I was just like, okay, the deal was like, I get my degree and then I could do whatever I wanted. And that's exactly what happened. So I went and got a degree in fashion design. I moved to Dubai when D3 was starting up. Um, so the, when
0: was that? <clears throat> a wild
1: back in 2015. January 2015.
0: So you've been here a while. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, And uh, I wanted to be back growing up in a very uh, kind of proud family um, of being Arab or being from the region. I wanted to move back in the region and be part of the creative community that was rising. Um, I knew at the end, no matter how, even if I had an American password, even if I lived in Europe, um, my my name or my title, title will be hyphenated, right? At the end of the day, I'm the Arab designer. And if I don't claim that and embrace it, um, I'll still be Arab-American or in Europe, I'll be the Arab. People love
0: putting labels on you. <laughs> exactly.
1: So I was just like, you know what? I'm I'm taking it all and I'm moving back to the Arab world. Moving back, it was an eye-opening experience because I got to realize um, how much of our clothing, uh, specifically um, our traditional clothing, hasn't evolved. Mm-hmm. So for us... Um, a lot of the clothing that has happened, and I think we as Arabs are one of the most avant-garde and more spending people on actually luxury items. That's that's uh, that's a fact. Uh, but um, looking at it as in terms of traditional, we thought we came in and I, I looked at it and I'm like, half of us have ditched our traditional clothing. Because it wasn't Western looking enough or at some points it was outlawed to wear our traditional clothing in certain spaces. It is in some countries. <coughs> France. <laughs> or even in the region, right? When we were colonized. So during the French, during the British empires, um, colonial times, we weren't allowed to wear certain of our traditional clothing. Uh, like that's why the kufiya is a symbol of resistance. Palestine, uh, resistance because people weren't allowed to wear it Mm -hmm. um, at certain points. So in a sense, um, going back to it, I realized there was a point where someone hit the pause button. I think we've gotten to a point where we actually, I believe really acknowledge the fact that we need to heal. Mm -hmm. And the only way healing is acknowledging and speaking about the traumatic experience, that generational trauma that we all experienced.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. I feel like people hope for us to forget, you know, they, they, they think we will, they thought we will, they, they still hope and pray that we will forget. But I promise you, I personally will never forget a single story that my parents have told me, my grandparents have told me. I will make sure to say their stories and let them echo out so that the whole world can see and hear because that is the only way that we can ever get out of this. You know what I mean? And it's really, I believe it's, it's up to us. And people always say like, how are Palestinians this resilient? You know, like, when are they going to give up? Like, they say it as a joke. (laughs) And I go, like, never, because, I mean, this is why it's, it's, it's my parents, your parents, my grandparents, your grandparents. It literally trickles down through every single generation and we're taught, like, this is what happened to your ancestors. Don't forget about this, you know. Not even my ancestors. I mean, my grandparents, you know. It wasn't that long ago. And yet it also feels like it's been... Centuries and an eternity, you know what I mean? And it's just, I feel like we are really the most resilient people, and we will always be, and we will keep doing whatever we can. And I just hope to God that my kids one day, I'm sure you're gonna do the same thing with your kids. We're gonna ingrain it in them, instill it in them. You know what I mean? Pass on (laughs) the trauma.
1: (laughs) Not trauma,
0: no, no more trauma. No more. Hashtag no more trauma. We are gonna be healed. Exactly.
1: We're healing them. It's
0: time to heal.
1: I, I agree. And I think one other thing that I'd like to add to that actually how resilient i think we are as a region Mm -hmm. because we see all our neighboring countries as well and everyone speaks about that resilience they're like how can and i look at it and you know what because I, i in the back of my head i'm like well those places have been there for thousands of years uh I don't know. We've been colonized for how many times? And we look at it and you're like, yeah, because they were able to actually live there and thrive. It becomes part of our thing, I believe, of our DNA mm-hmm. um, of Being who we are, that we're taught that. We're taught how to live with certain aspects and kind of be okay with it because you're living in your homeland. You're living on your own soil, and there is nothing beyond that.
0: But me and you aren't living in our homeland. (laughs) We're not living on our (laughs) own soil.
1: (laughs) We are, we are, if you look at it as a A community, a region, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We are.
0: And honestly, I I do feel at home. You know what I mean? Like when I was younger, honestly, I always felt misplaced, like, where am I? Who am I? Where where do I belong? I don't have a place I can call a home. But now I feel like, you know what, if anything, maybe I'm lucky that I can get to call so many places my home. The Middle East is my home, you know, from, I mean, the GCC to the Levant to... North Africa, to wherever I want, I feel at home everywhere. You know what I mean? It's because of our mother tongue, like going back to what you said about just speaking this, the same language, even if there's dialects that differentiate them or accents that differentiate them, you feel at home. And we are honestly so welcoming as, as a community, as a race, you know, Arabs are so welcoming. I mean, have you ever stepped foot in an Arab home and not been offered like a million <laughs> drinks or coffee or dates or food? or?
1: <laughs> you actually want to skip an Arab home when you're on a diet. Like, and so It's like, how do I get to skip like going to an Arab person's house when I'm on a diet? I'm like, I cannot. And they get offended if you like say no, no, no. I agree. I agree. And we live in storytelling households, and this is what inspires us every single day. Mm-hmm. I think we were able or we were privileged enough to be given the teachings of, um, of becoming dreamers, if I may say. And we always look at it in a dramatic kind of overachieving maybe And but in a a way, it's the privilege of dreaming. It's Mm -hmm. being able to open a book, listening to grandparents' stories, anything of that sort. And it takes you away to a different dimension. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that also adds to like you escaping a certain reality Mm -hmm. because, and that's...
0: Yeah, because sometimes (coughs) reality is too difficult to to comprehend, so you want to escape, you know? And I feel like maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe your escape from your reality was designing clothes. And that's like, I mean, your brand is your escape from reality.
1: A hundred percent. Because our brand, we don't create collections. We create themes. And it's a celebration of, for example, a woman that walks into a palace and nothing lights her path except for candles. And candles drip onto her clothes as she walks through the night. And that's actually the whole thought of our return. So a woman that walks into a castle, like a historic castle that was abandoned. Um, we talk about revival, which is the rightful ruler of the region. She's a female, and she deconstructs traditional male clothing and to further enhance her power because she is the rightful ruler mm-hmm. as a female. In a sense, it is. it's a celebration of who we are, a celebration of our clothing, um our identity. Uh, I I we want to be I don't I, I don't know if it's the right armies the right way but the rising tribe that actually changes our dark course of history and actually are able to come together into whatever glorified story that our parents our ancestors have told us of us coming together it's really embracing that again mm-hmm. and celebrating ourselves because we need to heal because of that
0: yeah me and me wow that was beautiful I'm getting a little emotional <laughs> <laughs> So we sidetracked so much, by the way. If you really think about it, the first and only question I asked so far led to all of this. (laughs) So we're just going to go back, and I want to know a bit more about your journey to becoming, you know, where you you are now with your label. I want to know what made you decide you wanted to be a fashion designer? Like at what age do you have like a specific moment that you remember where you considered it or... Was it something you just always knew?
1: Um, Actually, it was something that I always knew and I always had that storytelling aspect in my family. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: I was stuck or I'm still stuck in the glory days that my grandparents and my great-grandparents have spoken about and my parents have spoken about. So in a sense, I want to fall back into that It is falling back in love with the artistry and everything we had Mm -hmm. as a culture, holding on to our identity and who we are as a region. It's so important. Yeah, and not losing that essence. And I think that's the most important thing because we, you know, we we try to get furthest away from who we are and maybe in a sense whitewash ourselves. As even a white passing Arab, like I'll tell you, like sometimes it's just like I don't. Annie, it's just easier. It's
0: easier, yeah. Uh,
1: but no, it's just fully embracing who you are mm. and your identity.
0: Yeah. You know, I like as when I was younger, I, I used to remember before I went to uni, I would ask my dad and my, my parents and like random people if people ask me where I'm from when I get to college, is it fine if I say I'm Palestinian? And Just to think that I know almost every single Palestinian listening to this right now probably went through the exact same thing. I guarantee that you did. I'll put money on it. (laughs) Every single Palestinian asks their parents or their, you know, role models, whoever, this question. And it's so messed up. Why do we have to reconsider, like, saying where we're from? What? Like, what's wrong? Like, you get what I mean? It's like I'm like, you know, And <laughs> just by seeing where I'm from.
1: If I may say, for whose comfort is it?
0: Because mm-hmm. it's not, it's it's not, not my comfort.
1: No, I don't want to deny it. Do uh, you? No, <laughs> then for, it's for whose comfort. And sometimes, you know, you're you're in a and you and I both know that sometimes you're in such a very tight position that you're like, I cannot have this conversation right now and you will my son i would i would say i'm jordanian palestinian or i would say i'm jordanian just because i know that moment
0: when they look at you differently
1: when yes oh. or or not only that or when you're surrounded by the people that will not understand it mm-hmm. or you know you know today isn't i'm not in the mood to argue yeah
0: yeah some days i wake up and i <laughs> or when they don't even know what Palestine is. I've been in so many positions where like I, I questioned it. Should I, should I not? You know, sometimes it's just easier not to. But honestly, I'm telling you, I'm at the point of my life right now where I don't, I, I just, I, I, I don't care anymore. I mean, if you won't accept me, not you. <laughs> but if someone won't accept me or give me that job or promote me whatever it is if someone won't evaluate me based on my qualities alone forgetting that I'm from wherever I am then I don't I don't want it you know what I mean I don't want that job I don't want that career I don't want that promotion I don't want that whatever it is I am who I am and I'm so proud of it and I know that you are too and hopefully you know we're just gonna help more Palestinians, younger generations and others to not feel as afraid as we did when we were younger to say where they're from, you know?
1: And I think we are at the forefront of that, right? We have a voice. We both have a voice and we're actually (laughs) doing that. And, um, you know, this is something that I also had to battle myself I think, with a brand, as a representative of a brand, um, especially last May, right, when the movement was happening. And um, just to keep it aside, um, I think a lot, we got the question internally with the team, where like, how vocal do we want to be? And I think we got into the realization where, like, you know what? Since me, the creative director, is... Of Palestinian origin that if you don't like it you don't like it you don't want to endorse it don't buy the product at the end of the day you know even if you didn't know you I was Palestinian or anything um, you're you're buying into the you're giving a small business Mm -hmm. a bit of money to survive or to actually continue and prosper and grow so if you're not endorsing the movement or not endorsing who I am as a nationality or my place of origin, then that's it. We just want people who are supporting us.
0: Mm-hmm. I have a question to ask you. Tell me. When we go back one day, will you give me a ride?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what is St. Levant's song? Uh, uh, you know that song? Uh, a ha- Haifa and a Tesla, right? Oh my God. Uh, do you know that song? Okay. Hey, fine, a Tesla. Yes, with Edward Said in the front and Bella Hadid in the back. That is it. A... I need to get in this Tesla. Yes. What a We're... dream team. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, shout out to him if this does get aired.
0: <laughs> you, still didn't, you still didn't answer my question, though. Yeah. Can yeah. I ride with you?
1: Of course. <laughs> We're all riding together, right?
0: All of us in one, <laughs> in one Tesla. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I have a very. Important question for you, which is going to be probably very difficult to answer. What is the best part and the worst part about being Palestinian?
1: I think the worst part comes from, you know, I always say we're just a dot in the history of the region. Because the region has been there or civilization has been there for thousands of years before. And hopefully it will be there for a thousand years later um thousands and we're just a dot in that history so we're just in transitioning phase of it it's permanent it's there and i am super proud of being from where i am and being able to celebrate the community that comes out of it who we are as individuals the history being able to actually connect the dots to actually knowing where your family has resided for over 1,500 years in the same exact spot, like within a few kilometers, you can actually place a circle. And and the 1,500 documented, may I tell you. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, yeah, they weren't. The no. no, no, that's documented in courts, in paperworks, in whatever it is. um, <clears throat> So that's something to look back at. And it's something that I love about it and also the richness of our history. Um, I think the bad part of it is just that kind of, I would say that dot of dark history, because as I was saying, we're a timeline. So it's those 74 years that we're coming on, maybe more because things were happening before. And um, that dark part in history and i think we are the ones that are getting the end of it getting Mm -hmm. to it so that's that's the bad thing about it but the celebration of who we are as an identity and how we're able to live no matter what and who we are from that whole entire region that whole entire region of being one of being able to move within the same language being able to to drive in a car and be from city to city within... Country
0: half, to country. country. to
1: country and within half an hour just because like... But opposed to what we have right now because of just certain mm-hmm. uh, colonial powers. We want to go back to that. And that's what I want to celebrate because that's who we truly are. And that's how we've lived for thousands of years.
0: We will go back.
1: And hopefully one day. Shall hopefully during our lifetimes.
0: <laughs> and tell me that... When you go back one day, which you will, and we all will, what is the first thing that you're planning on doing?
1: We put on a show <laughs>
0: <laughs> And that is a great place to end this podcast, this episode. Thank you so much, Zaid. Thank for you for being having here. Me. It was such a pleasure. My name is Lina Sadi, and we thank you for listening to this episode of Preserving Palestine by Gratia Middle East. Tune in for a new episode next Wednesday.